welcome back to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Heidelin and beyond. My name is Jen, and I am joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Make sure you stay to the very end of the episode as we have a special announcement at the end. Today, we are continuing the main story quest, and we will be playing through the Howling Eye. But first, what happened last time, Jen? I knew you were going to ask me this, and I was dreading it because it's been... Three weeks. Far too long. So... So this is this is where we're in. We're in Curthis and we're trying to uncover the mystery of well, like a lot of heretics are being uh, executed for some reason. Um, and we're pretty suspicious. We're like we're we're trying to get permission to get into the stone vigil because that's where we know the airship may be. And this fucking guy the Inquisitor Guillem is going around town and be like, "Don't listen to these guys. They're 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 also heretics and they're outsiders." So he's following us all around town, like telling people not to talk to us. And we're like, "What the fuck is up with this guy?" So we we find out what is up with this guy. He killed the actual Inquisitor, took his identity over, and then started like executing a bunch of people in service of uh, the Dravonians, the Dravanians. So. We figure that out. He dies at long last. <laughs> we get commissioned permission to get into the stone vigil. And so we do the dungeon. We find the airship and make our way back to Redania to, to figure out what the fuck. Yeah. We made our landing with the Enterprise last time. Sid surveys the airship and he feels like it completes a part of him that he didn't know was missing during his amnesia times. Yeah. He's just kind of looking at this thing going... Yeah, this feels right. So Alphano informs us that we've been given permission by the seed tiers to house and repair the Enterprise. Good thing, too, because we're here bailing them out of their Garuda situation. Seriously. Do we have permission to save your asses? I guess. The airship will need extensive repairs in order to brave the Howling Eye, which is Garuda's domain. But even at full strength, full repair, Sid wonders if the airship can brave the elements. Elements, of course. We'll use a corrupted elemental crystal to nullify the winds and clear a path through the storm. And we just used a similar tactic in the Ixal Tribe Quest finale. Exactly. So Alphno explains to us what a corrupted crystal is. The corrupted crystals are these glowing, sickly orange formations we've been seeing all across the landscape since day one of this game. There can be small ones, or some of them are as big as mountain ranges. And what these are, though, they are also known as over-aspected crystals, as in there is too much of an elemental aspect in these things, so they are, in a sense, kind of supercharged, like when you dissolve sugar into water with heat, so it absorbs more than it could contain normally. Right. This over-aspecting of these crystals corrupts them, and evidently, we can use these things to counteract opposing elements to the crystals right and these crystals warp etheric energy including that in living creatures so we need one that will specifically warp wind energy and sid knows of a possible lead from his days at the church in his guise as marquez 
you know, out there in Camp Drybone or at the uh, Adama Lama, whatever the fuck it's called, Chapel. Church of Saint Adama Landama. Adama Landama. I always Adama think of, Lama. <laughs> I think of Admiral Adama from Battlestar Galactica. Not a lot to do out there, right? Sid, as Marquez, doesn't know what he's capable of, so he's probably hella bored and he's going to Camp Drybone. He's going into the, uh, the what is it, the unending sleep or the forever it's sleep the or the eternal sleep? Eternal sleep is the name of the inn. <laughs> Where this scholar resides. That's horrifying. Sure, but it's also... Death surrounds them here. It's Nalthal, exactly. So it's on brand. Yes. Um, it seems like a nice place otherwise. So he's just hanging out in um, Lambert, Lambertaint. Lambertaint, indeed. Uh, I'm going to call him Lambert because it's probably like Lambertchamp or something. He's just kind of holing up here and monitoring some of his students who are out in Eorzea doing some studies and stuff. And like this is a pet project of his is corrupted crystal and figuring that shit out right lambert ain't lambert is a <laughs> handsome gray-haired elizin a little snotty very snotty he is a professor evidently mm-hmm. he is happy to talk to anyone who wants to know about corrupted aether yeah we're like hey man are you the guy that knows about the corrupted crystal and he's like oh yeah you want to talk about it i'll fucking talk about it and we're like okay settle down and you know that marquez guy was always happy to chat Wonder where he went. Yeah. And we start this mini trend for the sequence of our character being terrible at communicating because we could say, hey, we know who Marquez is. He's actually Sid. We can hook you guys up if you want to connect. I but- mean, we could, but Sid's got more important shit going on right now. So if Sid wanted to, he could go back and be like, hey, remember me? Yeah, no, my real name is Sid. I know, but this guy <laughs> thinks his friend has disappeared. We could at least ease his concerns saying hey you know he's fine actually and Sid can then set up a a coffee meeting whenever he wants to but I think it's unkind to leave this guy hanging wondering where his former companion is without when we know and could dispel this concern in just a moment wow I I have other comments about the way our character acts during the sequence but I'll save them for the wrap-up so we tell Lambert that we want a corrupted crystal he suddenly becomes alarmed. If we harvest these things, we could warp our very aether. What? But fortunately, he can hook us up with a warded pot that will keep us safe from the crystals. At least when they're off the off the rock, off the chunk. <clears throat> the harvesting <laughs> is still dangerous. He's like, oh, look at this. A, a, a scholar in training come to talk to me about corrupted crystals. And they were like, yeah, can we just go like get some? And he's like, oh, clearly you're not as smart as I thought because you think you can just go and harvest these things without getting hurt or whatever. So he's like, well, I still have hope for you. So here is a warded pot. I'm assuming it's like ethereal radiation in a sense. Yeah, for sure. Like it'll it'll probably fuck you up. It'll It'll turn you into those people who are sick in Bronze Lake. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be having weird nightmares about mummers. So he sends us to his contact, his student, Hahasako, in Highbridge. Hahasako is a Lala, of course. We find him on one of the projecting platforms over the chasm that gives Highbridge its name. Yeah, he's just kind of gazing out into the distance, and we walk up, and he's like, No, I am not trying to commit suicide. God! Like, he is performing uh, okay. scientific measurements, Jin. That's what we thought. Okay, anyway, this, way to come out swinging, dude. This starts the trend. All these students have some sort of persecution complex. Well, they're all they're all weird. 
Sure, <laughs> in different but ways. Ev- they all, except for the last guy, he seemed pretty cool. They all think that we're there to nag on their pursuits. Maybe this is like a new science because these things arose in great number after the calamity. The old school scholars don't take them seriously, so they've got something to prove. Also, they're just kind of like hella, hella nerds all up in their area of study, and people around them are pirates and merchants and drunks and they're probably getting a whole lot of what the fuck are you doing here nerd maybe they don't have a ton of social skills sure because they're hella nerds that could be it speaking from experience (laughs) uh so i have sympathy for their position yeah the first one he's he's a little uppity he's a little he's a little he's a little on edge uh but he he throws out a bunch of uh, jabberwocky references which i which I enjoy. He becomes very excited once he learns that the professor is trusting him to explain to us how to harvest crystals. Of course. Why wouldn't he ask his best pupil? And we can find them in the Burning Wall, which is a massive range of corrupted crystals on the eastern edge of eastern Thanalan. And you can see these things from anywhere in the zone, these spires of these glowing orange crystals. And when I was doing this, it was raining heavily in the zone so you couldn't even see the actual like mountain range but you could still see the glow of the crystals shining through the rain yeah you can get a uh there's still the the vibe because they glow through the fog and stuff it's pretty sweet i had a very gorgeous clear evening so well congrats jen the burning walls name predates the calamity it used to be named for the red glow that was cast by the sun setting over the cliffs However, those cliffs were shattered during the Calamity, but the crystal formations that arose recently still make the name very appropriate. So Hahasako, he is um, also a fan of alliteration. He throws in these little alliterative chunks throughout his speech, and I'm like, knock it off. He's like, oh, well, I totally have a bead on where you can get some of this hella corrupted crystal. You, you do have to go down into like the depths of the Burning Wall, which... You'll go through Burgundy Falls, which is this rocky. If you're a, uh, if you did any any tomaturge stuff, you've been here. Um, and it's just like a, a rocky, dry tunnel uh, out through the back. And but once you hit that opening, it's like, oh, it's such a spectacular landscape with all of these crystal spires and these winding, thin like earthen platforms labyrinthing themselves down into the base of the falls and it's it's super cool but i got lost yeah it's one of my favorite areas aesthetically in the game period not just a realm reborn yeah it's it's in it's incredible um i took a screenshot it's not very impressive because i don't use g pose because that's a whole other skill set that i haven't looked into yet but i just really liked it you like you're in this little tunnel then all of a sudden like it just opens up in front of you especially on a clear night with the stars and everything Super cool. Hahasako then gives us a, quote, highly advanced researcher's tool with which to harvest the crystal, a giant sledgehammer. So we wind our way down to the base. I, too, took a wrong turn on the way down, Jin, not just you. And we go past hordes of mirror knights, the crow-winged constructs, quartz doblins, and golden fleeces, the last ones being the little sheepy guys with the the big, poofy, yeah, they're so cool god i like i'm desperate for i want a tattoo of i want a tattoo of all the things of the evil weapon a deep eye either like a furball or a golden fleece 
and my little major general, like all sitting around in a circle, like having sandwiches or something like that. <laughs> um, or like all of those guys minus the major general sitting around a pentagram on the floor and they have summoned the major general. Something like that where they're all just like all these little mobs that I think are the, the coolest looking mobs all just like chilling. I believe, Jen, you can make it happen. And it's like it's either they have more or less than the standard number of eyes or if they have the standard number of eyes, they have to be crazy like a furball. <laughs> Their eyes are crazy. This is what Jin looks for in a, in a man. <laughs> crazy eyes. Or like four eyes. Or just one big one. So we whack a corrupted crystal, pod it, and return. You pod it and return? Thank you, Jen. Very mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's a fantastic specimen, says Lambert. It's overflowing with wind-aspected aether. Uh, oh, oh, what? You want to nullify wind? Well, this will do the opposite. Well, maybe you should go and see my other student who is working on some crystals on the Isles of Umbra in Western Lanosha. Okay. But I'll give this crystal here to the students of Baldesion as a research subject. Well, he was like, you should go check out or go, go talk to my student in uh, Eastern Lanosia. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 wait. My student's in Western Lanosia. That... The Eastern Lenosia guy, he almost got ate by some shit. By yeah, the Imperials. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wandered too close to the... Um, to the to Castrum. Castrum. And almost died. So, okay, not that guy, but the other guy. So, we head for Aleport, and we meet up with Siana, who is a pink-haired Midlander. Mm-hmm. All of these scholars have been wearing red tunics with black accents. Bleos. Mm-hmm. These are These are fancy gowns excuse me jen yeah you know what just use the appropriate fashion yes well these are these are expensive pieces of clothing so obviously these are people from very you know well-to-do families they you have to like we all know you have to have fucking hella funds to live a life of academia academia again siana gets defensive on us she thinks that we are here to make fun of her but no we show her the pot saying hey we're actually here to collect this corrupted crystal. We're on your side, girl. And she brightens up immediately. There are indeed some good crystals on the Isles of Umbra, but travel to them is shut down. The Yellow Jackets have refused her passage, even after explaining the value of her scholarly pursuits. <clears throat> but maybe we'll have better luck. Yeah, like like I said, not a lot of social skills. She doesn't know how to ask questions. <laughs> She's still like totally in the dark. Because we go and talk to three different people and they're very forthcoming with why nobody's allowed out there and why they couldn't be paid to to do it either. So we talked to three yellow jackets about what's going on with the with the total like lockdown of the Isles of Umbra. And they're like, well, it's just it's death. There's a lot of death out there and ghosts and death and and, um, zombies. Yep. That about sums it up. So I wouldn't recommend it. And we go back to Siana with her with her information, and she's like, "Actually, so while you were doing that, I went to the bar <laughs> and asked uh, around, and apparently there's this dude named Seafred, Zifred, I suppose, Skifrin, Skifrin, who just got back from the Isles of Umbra. He was arrested because we're not allowed to go there. As a side note, Siana does not believe in all of this superstition that has been cast around." She thinks that all this talk of death and ghosts and so on is local folklore. Which is fair. It's also very possible. Um, people love their rumors. Anyway, Skiffrin came back. Well, Skiffrin, so he's in he's in jail. 
right? So we got to talk to him and he's lost his marbles completely. Like he, he can't really form a coherent sentence. He's just saying shit about like, oh my, I need to go back. I need to be, to be with her. I her call, blah, blah, blah. He does have the wherewithal to give us a golden feather and to give it to Mimidoa. Is that right? Mimidoa? Yes. Mimi? And he says, Mimidoa, yeah. tell Mimidoa, I'm sorry. He was right. Yeah. So there's a little bit of Skiffrin still still in there, but yep. he's he's uh, you know, he's he's in the drunk tank for a reason. We don't know any Mimidoa, but we tell Siana what happened, and she does know this guy. Unfortunately. He is evidently an arse grabbing bastard that hangs out at the pub. And when we say arse, we mean ass. I'm I'm sure everyone knows that, Jen. <laughs> Do they? Yes, yes, they might. They might. It's like, oh, he's that little fucker that grabbed my ass at the bar. It's our job yet again to talk to this guy. She's not going to go back and see him. I, I, right? I'm almost like, oh, I don't want to talk to him either. Like, and we find him on the docks. He is a pervy looking Lala who <laughs> has overalls and apron on, but no shirt and a mustache. He's he is a silver haired Lala, you know, so he's probably approaching 60 um, he very much looks like a like like a like a guy that just walked out of the blacksmith's guild. You know, he's he very much looks like a worker guy. I hope they wear shirts in the blacksmith's guild. Right. So okay, he's doing something that isn't with hot lava coals. It's he's doing something else hot though, so, as he is scoping oh. out the arse of a Mikote dock worker when we find him. Yeah, so he's not so slyly just ogling this woman from behind, trying to make it look like he's also trying to examine some boxes. Like what I- If you know what I mean. Do- oh my fucking God. So yeah, we interrupt him as he's, he's I, like, he's he's about ready to reach out and sexually assault somebody. Uh, so yeah, like, hey man, what's up? Uh, here's a feather from your friend Skifrin. Uh, wow, that poor guy. Well, let me tell you what's going on over there. So- Mimi Doa was actually like a dude hired to go fix. Um, there's a structure out on the Isles of Umbra called the Pharos Sirius. And it is a it's a tower with a beacon and it, it's meant for, you know, it's like a lighthouse, right? Um, to just tell, you know, ships coming in, like, avoid, avoid, avoid. It's dangerous out here. So the beacon is broken. Mimi Doa and a bunch of dudes were hired to fix it. And he's like, we cannot make any progress because um, workers just, you know, they'll walk off. Half walked away half ran away and half vanished we do not challenge his math that's the joke (laughs) however he is looking for a new initiate to go and survey pharaoh's sirius and what we want the job great we're hired he he wants us to figure out what why are people running away screaming from this place like why can't he get any work done what's going on and instead of hiring some cell swords to go do it we have we showed up (laughs) off we go we do get a uh like a essentially a permission slip from him which is great that's exactly what we needed we convinced sienna to come with us she really doesn't want to despite her big talk about not believing in ghosts she suddenly gets very nervous about the aisles once she's there she's like i got wet feet well she shows up and um she's like you know what it's a lot it's a lot better than i thought you know i i wouldn't build a summer home here but otherwise it's quite nice which is a princess bride reference of course um she's like okay i'll see you later go explore and figure out what the undead and shit is going on and okay bye so the isles of umbra is a ship graveyard off the coast of western lanosia it is also home to the lighthouse 
Pharos Sirius, which is a technologically advanced lighthouse that uses ethereal energy rather than fire to power its beacon. However, during the Calamity, a fragment of Dalamud struck the lighthouse, reacting with the stored energies and causing it to erupt into the corrupted aether that we are in search of. The main isle of the Isles of Umbra is a sandy piece of land with several tall white stone bluffs that tower over the beaches. And also, immediately above us on the coast is the lighthouse, which is almost fortress-like in its Mm -hmm. magnitude. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really like a fortress. It's not even like a lighthouse. It's just, it's like a fortress that happens to have a lighthouse. And a handful of plasmoids are flickering on the beach. These are little glowing blue energy wisps that are speculated to be waste energy from machinery, which would make sense given the lighthouse's proximity. We see the plasmoids in a variety of areas around Eorzea. Um, you see them in Proud Creek just because we just did the Ixal thing. And I had to run through them 75 times. So I think they they generally exist where it's almost like, you know, when people talk about ghosts, right? There's like, there's unfinished business or there's, there's, there's a, a history of a very violent series of deaths in an area or something there's like like it's like there's a lot of baggage in the air in this space and that's where the plasmoids tend to materialize so it may be like etheric rancor from someone who has died or it's residual um etheric energy from like levi said machinery but just generally like an overabundance of some shit um shit right so maybe and it's not typically positive so that's where we are and i bet when Sienna saw those, that's when she was like, oh, fuck. Don't know what that's about. I'm not going to hang out and find out. We, though, press on onto the island and we run into David immediately, who is the lighthouse slash fortress keeper. He's the gatekeeper, literally. Yeah. And he tells us to turn right back around because the corrupted crystals are inside Pharaoh Sirius and that place is on lockdown. Dead men tell no tales. Thanks, Jen. But <laughs> he will harvest a crystal for us if we investigate the island's spooky denizens yeah, for him. He's more than happy to give us that job. So why don't we go and ask that band of adventurers who showed up recently what they've learned? This band seems more like pirates or smugglers, in my opinion. Definitely, They're here to plund- they're here to pillage a ship graveyard. Like, there's no camaraderie here. You know, this is- this is pure piracy. Right. We find them at a secluded campsite on a nearby beach. It's actually a really lovely little spot that they have. It's like some- like a really calm little cove that they found. It's like- I would vacation there 100%. But anyway. On the Haunted Isle? Sure, with plasmoids and undead walking around, not so much, but it is very nice. This group has a few side quests for us too, if we're so inclined. Mainly they want us to go and salvage the shipwreck for them because they're too afraid of all the stuff to do it themselves. No problem. Cowards. Yep. But these supposed adventurers relate that the far shipwrecked beach is haunted by the undead that seem to be fixated on the water, and there is a strange voice that torments them. So we tell David what we learned, and he seems concerned by this report. They have returned. Anyway, Master Mimi Doa is here, and he's getting impatient, so why don't you go and check him out? He calls us uh, Initiate. Like, what's up, Initiate? He's, he, it's a very like, broken accent that he has, and it's... If he weren't such a fucking creep, he would be very charming. He, he would be like an adorable character. I, I wish they would take the, the ass grab out of it. 
but anyway, uh, he's 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 come along to just check up on us and make sure that we're still doing stuff. Uh, we we tell him what we learned from the quote unquote adventurers, and he's like, uh huh, yep, that's what I fucking thought. The bitch is back, and by bitch he means siren. So in moon moons and moons ago, um, our little Mimidoa worked under Mistbeard, the famous Mistbeard, and they had. Um, basically defeated this same siren back then. Um, I, they, I get, they, they didn't defeat her, they like banished her. They I get the impression that there are multiple... Her. Really? Yes, because he refers to them in the plural. Okay. The direct quote is that back when he was a cannon boy, we learned him a lesson that they wouldn't forget, except that they would go and return again, wouldn't they? Brazen biddies. Biddies, that did it. So it's like a... I don't know, like a, a cadre of sirens or whatever, but they beat them back so viciously back then that he, it's not like he didn't think they would ever come back, but he didn't think they would come back so soon. And, but hey, at least he knows exactly what's going on. So he's like, all right, let's go to this fucking beach. Again, ass grabber fuckface is, he's got some, he's got some chutzpah. He tells us that the sirens, their song lures men to their watery graves on yeah, brand. We, we know all that shit. But them, also, yeah. These men stay bound to the beasts, even in death. They are forced to do their bidding until their corpses fall apart. So this explains all of these skeletons on the aisle. Yeah. And as we go deeper into the aisle, we come across some giant mantises, animated skeletons of dead sailors and vultures. The um the skeletons walking around, their official name is what, like Dead Man's Moan? Yeah. Or, okay, yeah, which is... Really spooky. There is also a magic pot here. A magic pot? Yes. Which is a pot with a little purple imp guy inside of it. These are recurring Final Fantasy creatures that are more puzzles than enemies. Typically, you give them something good, like a consumable, and they will give you something in return. So in this implementation in 14, they just demand an elixir, and you can open up a trading interface with them... And if you give it an elixir or a high elixir, it will then give back to you a wind-up sun and a wind-up moon minion. Oh, holy shit. I totally forgot. Okay, now I have to go back. Yeah. And trade with a little imp. That's so cute. So these are stationary light sources, mostly for G-posing, I'm assuming. Visibility isn't really a mechanic in that this game. That checks out. And if you slash poke the minions, they will change their height. So if you poke the sun, it'll go up or down if you want to fiddle with it. Ah, uh, yep, yep, that's very cool. Unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, they do not follow you around. Weird. So uh, you'd have to like direct them like a like a pet. Well, you summon them and they will appear next to you and they stay put there. So you walk away and they're just chilling. Yeah, exactly. Like you could you could teleport to a different area. And they wouldn't follow you or they would follow you to where you teleport they, and then just chill when they, at that exact fucking spot. When they despawn, they will respawn on you, but they do not move to follow you around. Oh, weird. Okay. There's some other minions like this too. There's a, um, I think it's a cushion that it's called a minion, even though it's more of like an interface trick where you can summon the cushion, it stays put on the ground, and then you can slash sit on it if you want to look like you've got a comfy seat. I see, Like a campfire. It's the same thing. A I said that in the weirdest way. A campfire. 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 Yes. Yeah, same thing. So you like you summon it. It's just like a little bit of environmental yeah. prop. Yep. Propery. 
which is super cool. Um, anyway, so now Mimido is involved in, in this shit. So he's like, he's lighting a fire on the beach. He is luring the siren out. We're going to deal with this bitch right now. And we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And just as he falls asleep, here she comes Ooh, singing her song. And as she appears, Mimi Doa yells at us to put in the earplugs he's given us. Yeah, got it. So we do. And the battle is joined. The siren appears over the water. She is a big woman who had <laughs> she is a larger than life woman. She's an impressive woman. She is who is encased in these golden feathers. She has like a cocoon of them over her head. That goes up into a crest. The battle begins with her just floating beyond the shore's edge and calling in her undead minions first. Yeah. So they they come in out of the depths and fight us round after round after round. And as we fight them, the siren will telegraph ground AoEs that burst into a swirl of music. Any thralls who are in this are healed fully. So we need to lure them away from the ground markers. And it can be tough to see them because when it appears in the surf, it's very hard to see the AOE marker. I wasn't sure. I just knew that when they exploded, I got hurt. That's the next phase. Oh, I, yeah. I, so I noticed this song at all. When she little, adds the another dirty bubbles. Yeah, show up. that's the, the move she adds in the third phase okay. where she will summon in watery bubbles that contain music notes and they will swirl around the arena and if one collides with you, it will explode for some damage. It's a decent amount of damage. Yeah. Yeah. So run away. Eventually, a skeleton captain arrives. He's big. He's a big guy. He is a big guy. We fight the skeleton. And the main complication here is that there are a lot of these little watery damage bubbles flying around while we fight the captain. It's kind of annoying, but yeah. But once we dispatch it, the siren retreats back to the waves. Yeah. Tell your friends. And all throughout the fight, she sings in halting words, a cast out, callous soul, dead to desire. Spare, mournful mistress, distress. Dust thou not to relent, regret, forever alone. After we give her a total eclipse of the heart... <laughs> turn around she says eclipse of the heart like legit she does <laughs> yes mimi doa is satisfied that we've driven her away for now david gives us our promised crystal and we return to sienna and aleport this crystal is fantastic it has an abundance of fire oh what's that we want to nullify wind well we need an ice aspected crystal then whoops you don't say Good thing that Sienna has an associate in Gridania that can hook us up. But no, for real? For real? They can hook us up? Okay? We're not fucking around. We're not doing this again. Well, TBD. But what's more, that's it. That's it. This crystal, though, in Gridania is special. We don't even need a special pot to contain it. For reasons you will discover later. Right about now. The next and hopefully last scholar is Hedin, a purple-haired, bespectacled Midlander in the same red and black tunic as the others. He tells us that the crystals we seek used to be found in a place called the Standing Courses, but no longer. There is only one crystal that fits our needs. Why? Um. Well, the giant Spriggan Giggity, yeah, that's his name, <laughs> ate it. So... 
we're going to have to taunt on his ass and cut him open and take it back. These crystals are evidently delicious to Spriggans, and they fortunately, though, take an eternity to digest. So it should still be intact in its stomach. We are given a special lure, a true heart, a lump of blood red ore, and head to the standing courses, which are on the west end of Central Shroud. The lush forest of the Shroud abruptly transitions into a wasteland of dead tree trunks. This area was torched by Bahamut after emerging from Dalamud. It would have been another site of towering corrupted crystal, except for the hungry Spriggan. We can still see a few faint patches of orange crystal, but that's it. So we head into a pit in the earth called the Spriggan Dig, and I'm gathering that this area was hollowed out by the Spriggans as they devoured all of the corrupted crystal over here. So we place the bait, and an enormous Spriggan emerges. Real big. This is giggity. Big giggity. So we kill it, and we take the crystal. And we go back to, I, I don't want to say his name is like Hedden, because it's, maybe it's Hedden. We take, we take him back to Hedden, and he's, he's like, so, you want to know why this is safe to touch and none of the other ones are? It's because the bodily fluids of Giggity coat the thing and act as its own ward. Isn't that cool? That's why it's all like slimy and shit. Oh, and it's overflowing with Earth Aether. Just kidding. It's you ice. son of a bitch. Not a, not cool, bro. And then he's like, yeah, maybe that wasn't cool. <laughs> you guys have been through some stuff. Oh, and also, Professor Lambertaint has a message for Marquez, but Hedden didn't write it down, so he forgot something about craving intellectual stimulation from Marquez or something. Too bad he can't get that from, apparently, his best pupils. His best people can't write down a fucking note. Well, that's why Hedden is like... That's why I'm his greatest pupil, because I don't fill my head with a bunch of useless shit. We return to the airship landing, hand over the crystal, and get a hefty verbal pat on the back. <clears throat> Sid is back in his element, working on the airship, accomplishing feats of daring and engineering. This is what he was born to do. And now nothing stands between us and Garuda. Yeah, he's feeling his power right now. Well, there's a slight chance of a catastrophic... It'll be fine. Better think positive. I mean, if anybody is going to handle it, if it's Sid, great. If it weren't, then maybe there'd be issues. But like, look, there's no one, no one else on this star who is better equipped to deal with this than Sid. So like, whatever what about, happens, fucking happens. What about Nero? I knew you were going to say that. Probably yes. But God, is it at what cost? At what gain? God, insufferable that man is. But also just so hot. <laughs> to Curthus. And an audience with the Harpy Queen Garuda. Enterprise, engage. Anyway. So now we're up in the air, the wind is flying through our hair, and uh, we are giving Sid some, you know, encouraging gazes and hand touches. And all of a sudden, Sid reaches up and he takes his goggles off and he looks at them. 
And he's like, how long have I been wearing these? This exposes his third Garlean eye for the first time. Right. We're like, uh-huh. He's thinking back to the 1.0 days when he transported a group of, group of adventurers to go fight against Nail von Darnus. The Legatus of the Seventh Imperial Legion. This recollection on Sid's part triggers an echo flashback in us. And we see young Sid looking dapper in a quilted coat. There's a sequence where time flashes forward, kind of representing his engineering training back in the... Um, yeah, it's him growing up in Gothamold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we see more and more engineering apparatus appearing around him as time flashes forward. And he narrates about how he used to be close to his father, but realized his father was obsessed with the meteor project. He turned to Gaius, really, as kind of like the, the analog father figure. But of course, Gaius is very similarly minded. They they both have just this unrelenting obsession and they've lost their humanity and he bailed. So the view now switches to the Enterprise and we see younger... Clean shaven. Sure. Non-bearded <laughs> Sid, yeah. And I think he's hot now. I mean, he's just, he, he's a very attractive man. He's Daddy Sid, right? Oh my God. But without the, <laughs> the facial hair, he, he looks so much younger. But I would say like there's still, the eyes are very similar. Um, and of course, the haircut's the same. Anyway, there's also Biggs <laughs> and Wedge on board. Yay. He narrates that he fled to Eorzea to start the ironworks. And suddenly, a sparkling light appears at the front of the airship. This is still in the Echo flashback. Mm -hmm. Our character emerges from the sparkling light and gives Sid his goggles. He goes on then to recount how he used his knowledge to help Eorzea to prove that it could be used for good and not to serve the Empire's ambitions. Right. It's like, I can I can do more and I can do better with my gifts. And we return to the present at last with older man bearded Sid, who's still hot. <laughs> Darn tootin'. And he says an odd line now. That light. It was you, wasn't it? It's surprising how few people know this, but all pure-blood guardians have a third eye. Perhaps mine helped me recognize you, or perhaps it was just a lucky guess. And I thought this was a nod to the 1.0 Warriors of Light, but it's a bit odd since it's being said to our characters, right. and in our cases, we were not around for that stuff. I did some poking around online based on this. Yeah. I was not the only one confused by this scene. There was no conclusive answer I could find from my online forays. And you can almost explain this away saying that this represents us restoring Sid's memory by symbolically giving him his memories with the echo in the form of the goggles. Right. I, but, I like that because otherwise it really doesn't make sense. But- that does not explain the line about him recognizing us because we have not met Sid until we met his Marquez persona. This is kind of a bit of a mental gymnastic, but you could say he recognized the warrior of light blessing, whatever, that was held by the sure. ones before the calamity and right. we have the same blessing. So maybe that's what he's reacting to. And that's the best way to justify it, because our characters were not around for the Calamity, and the game itself supports that. Right. As the characters who were imported from 1.0 have a special intro that only they get, where they, rather than come in on a cart or boat, they get teleported into the land right. itself by Louis Soie. Right. 
And that matches the FMV, A Realm Reborn intro. Exactly. So they get like a special video where they appear in a flash of light and they they walk into town versus having Cart Guy. So cool. Saying, welcome, adventure. Welcome to Ulda right. or All whatever. Right. Yeah. So you're 18 years old. You're starting your life out yeah. with a, you want to be an adventurer. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to brush it off as being like a weird A Realm Reborn-ism ultimately. Yeah. I think what honestly what bothered me the most about it was we we were like- yeah, man, it was us. Like, we were like, we're totally enabling this memory of his, which honestly, we should be like, uh, it wasn't me, but okay. <laughs> we're like looking at him like, yes, yes, that was me coming to you in the form of a bunch of stars, finally congealing into a form that was recognizable to you as me. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. I think that there's actually a much stronger story that says that we use the power of the Echo to reawaken his memories and that was the symbology of the goggles i don't think that at any point in time an angelic anyone appeared sure. no 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 that literally did not happen I, I think that's a metaphor but um it's the recognizing dialogue that gets me kind of hung up not the yeah, yeah goggle yeah. cutscene. totally i mean like all of this is very metaphorical um yeah. so yeah, that's fine. I'm pretty sure this is just like a weird dialogue quirk that never comes up again. As far as I know, this never again is referenced or is relevant. So Correct. yeah. If a listener knows better, please tell us. Or We'd if happy. you've got your own fucking theory, like bring it on. It seems, yeah, it seems very, very flexible and very, very much open to interpretation. Yep. So right on. But what it what it does is this is essentially the final step in the unlocking, the complete unlocking of all of Sid's memories. So after this cutscene, he is like, I'm fucking back, baby. I know why and how and who I am, what it is that I want to do with my life. So let's go get that Garuda bitch. Yeah. And then we went down we go. We do. <laughs> <laughs> we touch down in the Howling Eye. This place is pure storms. Mm-hmm. We see directly ahead of us, there is a wooden gate that is painted with swirling Ixal symbols. Beyond it, there is a vortex of wind. Like the other primals we've encountered so far, Garuda is a long-term Final Fantasy character. She is encountered in many games throughout the series as both an enemy and as a summon conjured by that game's summoners. In 14, she is goddess of the Ixal. And we talked a bit about her last time in the Ixel episode, about how she factors into the Ixel culture. Mm -hmm. But like the wind that she commands, Garuda's nature is fickle and tempestuous. According to Ixel legend, she is a guardian of their ancient floating homeland, Ayatlan. And it was threatened in the depths of history by some force from the earth below. And so she called upon the Ixal of Ayatlan to descend from their homeland and to defend it from this force. Since then, they have remained upon the earth, serving as the guardians of their homeland. So they are now bound to the land in this eternal duty on behalf of Garuda. Okay. That is their legend. It's, yeah, like, um, yeah, origin myth. Of course, Sezul would say otherwise, but... 100%. (laughs) We'll leave that to them to, to debate. I don't know if you know this, Jen, but there is actually a follow-up to that whole story in Heaven's Ward. The Ixal ship? Yeah. Oh, no idea. Oh, great. Look forward to that. Okay, I will. So we rush into the heart of the storm, encountering Garuda. She is a large, clawed woman. Big woman. Alphano says, 12s preserve. She's huge. (laughs) 
direct quote. He does say that she is huge. She is covered in white and green feathers and with four pairs of wings, two pairs on her back, two pairs on her head. She has enormous talons for hands and cloven hooves for feet, which was unique. And she has a crazy ass laugh. When transcribed in a text, it's a huge line of hee-hees and ha-has that has alternating caps. Yeah. Super good. Her, the design of her face is definitely very bird-like and just like the lighting of everything. I just think she looks super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because the whole area is covered by this tempest, so we can't see the sun. This is all lit by this kind of sickly green, green yeah, light. Yeah, it's a greenish blue, and you're very much in her her area. Yep, in her area. <laughs> yeah, it's all up in her area. She is surrounded by a pack of Ixal. They have captured kobolds and Amalja as sacrifices. And she declares that all who crawl the earth should revere her. She is the wind. Sid challenges her. We defeated the winds with our technology. Are we not above her? We are bound by nothing. Yeah. But no, she retorts. Our playthings will not help us here. Struggle though we may, she shall slake the roots with our blood and festoon the canopy with our entrails. So Sid and Alphano send us to face Garuda head on while they go to combat the Ixal. I felt really bad for the Amalja and Kobold prisoners here. It was like, I, I almost was dreading this this whole thing because I didn't want to I didn't want to see it again because it, it like I felt really bad like almost to the point of tears where we haven't gotten to this point yet but you know when they're when they're beseeching um Titan and Ifrit to save them from this like that's so sad it, like ugh I hated it anyway so now we have to fight this bitch The arena is the literal eye of the storm. There are winds swirling all about it, and four pillars of stone that are placed in the rough center of the arena in a square. These are like stacked rock pillars. Like Karns, yeah. Karns. This fight is pretty straightforward, in my opinion, with a few wrinkles to look out for. So first, when she shoots into the sky, hide behind one of the pillars and block line of sight slash sound from her ensuing mistral song which will mess you up if you're caught out in the open. She will also summon several green feathers called razor plumes, and these will zip around the arena and damage those stone pillars. You want to burn them ASAP. At about the halfway point, she will ascend into the sky and drop down in the center of the arena, unleashing a high damage attack. And this does damage based on how destroyed those pillars are, which is why you want to make sure that they're they're intact by killing the plumes. Right. Assuming that you withstand this attack, then she blasts away the pillars entirely, entering the second phase of the fight, which is actually a lot more straightforward. It's pretty much a tank and spank here. Yeah. She will bring the Eye of the Storm in closer, so she brings in the winds even closer to the center, leaving you a very small area to fight in, but beyond that, it's pretty basic. So we take her down, and that's that. 
So we thought... She begins to drift away, wailing as though defeated, but a sudden surge of energy renews her. She explodes with a burst of fresh power, and we see the Ixal at the perimeter praying, filling her with energy. She cries out laughing. As long as she has worshippers, she will never fall. So, um, hilariously, this is when Sid and Alfina wake up. They're like, oh, yeah, the prayers are uh, strengthening her. Let's go deal with that. Then they run, but um, she just she shoots very violent gust of wind at them, knocks them off their feet, and that's that. And she's like, y- "Like you guys are done. Like uh, I, I'm good to go here, okay?" And so she promises the destruction of the Aorzians systemically, like continent by continent. Yep, the forest dwellers, the sand crawlers, and the sea lice. But we, our character, shall be the first to go. Oh, okay. We will serve her for eternity. No, no, you're cute. Mm-mm. <laughs> So she surrounds us with a personal whirlwind, which is meant to temper us, but we emerge unscathed. The echo protects us from tempering. The sky suddenly darkens and the wind stills. We start hearing the Final Fantasy arpeggio, the music associated with Heidelin. Garuda wails in protest as a wind elemental crystal emerges from her chest and floats towards us, finally completing our elemental crystal collection. We literally... Knock the wind out of her. Nice. No mortal should possess such power, she screams. This is impossible. You jelly? I'm jelly. And we think she's done for good. The Ixel cry out in despair, and from the sidelines, Gaius emerges. <laughs> Great. Is that all Garuda has to offer, he asks? Oh. oh, lady of the vortex. Oh, mighty Garuda. Of all primals, the most terrible, I say again, is that all? Gaius goes on to challenge Sid. What did he hope to accomplish here? Sid's like, what? I mean, (laughs) is it not obvious? Sid has a reason, but he's kind of dumbstruck. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he is dumbstruck by seeing Gaius and he's not forgotten the whole Kill Garuda mission we're here for. Oh, for sure. No, it's more like... What a fucking weird loaded-ass question that I don't need a fucking answer. So the Ixal rush Gaius, and he unloads on them with his arm cannon. They are all shot down before him. Meanwhile, Garuda marks us for what we are, touched by Heidelin. And does she still mean to fight, wonders Sid, after all this? Yes, she does. Alright, so this is, this is the ace up her sleeve. This is all she's got, right? So she sicks a couple of tornadoes onto the prisoners on the group of Amalja and the group of kobolds and makes it so they are forced to beseech their gods, Ifrit and Titan, respectively. The wind lashes at their skin. I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be, it's going to hurt. And this is why it's just, it's so, it's so sad. Like they're, they're crying out to their god for, to, to be saved because they, they believe so much in their soul that they will be saved. And that's just not how it works. And so unfortunately their, their souls are forfeit, but they, they do what Garuda wanted them to do, which was summon their primals. So Ifrit and Titan are both summoned to the Howling Eye and are now basically backup for a, yet another fight. But this was Gaius's plan all along. High above, unbeknownst to everyone here, there is a group of Imperial airships, the little cylinder flappy wheelie guys, that are carrying some unknown cargo. And we've seen this thing a couple times so far, this weird kind of construct they've been carrying around. 
Finally, though, it is revealed in full force. They drop their cargo. It comes crashing down. This is a massive, towering above even the primals, mechanical dragon centaur. Ifrit and Titan rush it, but it seizes them in its claws and drains them of aether. Just so easily. Yeah. Like eating, eating a cracker. And only Garuda is left now. Gaius challenges her. The ancient elegans had means of dealing with her kind. Look upon this ultimate weapon and despair. Garuda tries to flee, but the weapon snatches her as well and absorbs her aether. Yeah, just snatches her right out of the air and eats her head. The ultimate weapon is now imbued with the the essence of all three of these primals now. And it, he did it without even like a thought. Just so easy. So this is this is fucked up. We cut over to see Laha Brea standing on one of the airships above the arena. And he gloats. The weapon's power grows with every primal it consumes. Great. Back on the ground, Gaius has stepped into one of the weapon's claws. He starts now to grandstand to the Enterprise because we have cleared out. Now we're in the air again. We're like, this is dumb. But he is yelling at the specter of the Enterprise, a little dot in the sky. If our leaders are wise, they will surrender. Our skills are impressive, but they are not enough. And now on the Enterprise, we despair at this fresh development. Alphano especially. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck do we do now? Oh my god. Alphino's had a couple of these moments in this in this whole scene, and Sid remains completely like level-headed. He's like, don't panic, just, just run. Okay, okay, we gotta run. Sid also relates to us Gaius's identity. And on hearing his name, Alphino realizes that this person, the Black Wolf, was mentioned in Louis Soi's journals. Yes. However, there has been no sign of this new threat, this new weapon, until just now. Wherever the Empire found it, it caught everyone unawares. The silver lining, though, is at least the primals are dealt with. They are no longer a threat. So now we can focus wholly on combating this new foe. Right. And part of that silver lining is that this, because this new weapon exists, no one will be summoning shit. (laughs) So it's a very effective deterrent, but um, shit, this is bad, guys. So we head back for Vesper Bay intent on rebuilding the Scions and tackling this new foe. But all is not lost, says Alphano, for we bear the light and shall surely lead our people from the darkness. So it is once again time to return to the Waking Sands. And that's where we leave off for now. So, Jen, I have mixed feelings about this segment we talked about today. First, I love the Garuda shit. Like, the the whole bit from getting on board the Enterprise to where we wrapped up just now, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Completely. Mm -hmm. The the voice acting, Mm -hmm. um, like, especially Garuda. It's like they put a distortion pedal on her voice, but it's it's very much like, like hearing the echoes of this powerful female voice through, like, you know, winds. Yeah. It's... It's pretty great. And her her mood swings from manic to menacing are also like, she nails her built up persona on point. 100%. Like you can see the capriciousness, you know, the greedy goddessness, as Sizzle would say. Yeah, she's just really impressive looking. I love her face. I love her eyes, how they're just like one big glossed over, almost like a, 
if you've seen like an owl that is blind, they just have this, there's no pupil. It's just a solid, dark, black eye, like a doll's eye. Um, she has this like crazy beak looking nose and her like, like her whole face shape and her lip shape. It's very, it's, it's humanoid, but it's, it, it speaks to monster. It speaks to bird. It speaks to alien. I love the cloven hooves. I think that's so cool. And also she's got this like hella stiletto on the back of each one. With a lady boss, you got to have a stiletto. You know it. Yeah. Stomp on me, mommy. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like just the environment is really, it, it feels, it feels spooky and oppressive. Um, and if you look at the little weather nodule up mm-hmm. on your, your clock or whatever, yeah. um, it just says gales and it shows like the green and the wind. And Now though, those aether crystals. We got all six. We, get, we win the game. No, not not the elemental crystals, the, the corrupted ones. Oh, I see. Okay. The good part about this is that I think the gameplay, for the most part, is fun in the whole collection sequence. So Burning Wall and Isles of Umbra, great environments. Yeah. Gameplay is good there, too. For the, the Burning Wall, you navigate down through all these enemies and you get to enjoy all the scenery and eventually you end up at the very base of this very complex and maze-like formation. Yeah, and you cannot just fall off and just drop down and be like, eh, that's fine. No, you have to find the path. Yep. It will not let you just jump off. And if you're lucky, when you get down to the Corrupted Crystal, there might be a fate waiting for you with like a big-ass mirror and eye guy. Yeah. But that was that was very cool. And then obviously the Isles of Umbra, very atmospheric. This this is This is very much... Just classic maritime mythology with the siren and the... And also, there's a lot of build up to it. And it's all rumors. Like, the scientists are like, it's folklore. And then the guys who have been on it are like, no, literally, there's like undead walking around. So you don't know how to deal with this until you get there. But the key, though, is that there is a huge payoff, which is the siren. Like, you get this entirely new enemy, this custom boss fight after all this stuff, too. It does not end with a fart. It ends with this climax. (laughs) And, and it, yeah, it's not just like a bunch of goblins. You I'm, know, it's like I'm literally... contrasting this with the Company of Heroes, where it's oh, like, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. the big Santa worm, he's so big and he's so rare. Then it's like no. a fucking five hit Santa worm, yep. he's dead. This built up and paid off. It is not spawning a bigger version of an enemy and then you hit it a few it's times. It's a very satisfying conclusion yeah. to this little mini mystery. Um, and then and then now you have access to the Isles of Umbra and you yep. probably have a bunch of shit in your hunting log that you yes. can deal with there. So <laughs> For sure. There you go. That's where they are. And then there's the standing courses, which at least is over quickly. <laughs> oh, you. The standing courses, one of the areas of It's an all area time. in the game. Indeed. Well, you get to meet Giggity. So <laughs> there you go. Anyway, two or three ain't bad, but <laughs> the thing that gets me, though, is the story that connects these things is absolutely asinine. <laughs> Our character cannot communicate. We're, we're made a fucking idiot where we cannot communicate basic facts like I need a crystal to nullify the wind. Yeah. And we make the same mistake twice. We think we would have learned after the first time, maybe share the details with this professor of corrupted crystals. Or these like nerdy ass nerds yeah. would just like overwhelm us with questions like what and why and who and how and what but look nobody's talking nobody's asking anything we're all just operating under like the most basic of assumptions and we're all burned for it it's the dumbest premise to justify this story (laughs) 
And I'm assuming that... <laughs> They're so annoying, too. They made us do this three-part thing because they wanted to make us go to these areas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would never have traveled down to the standing courses ever. Not that that's, like, necessary, but it is... It is nice to see, you know, just like the, the the breadth of landscapes that are that that exist on Heidelin, which is really cool. I think the standing um, courses is going to be the the miss on the tour guide. I, I mean, if you've been to if you've been to Alder Springs, you've, you've been seen the to standing a, courses. It's fine. If you've been to a cave, you've seen the standing courses. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a super unique. If you've been area. to a hole in the ground. Yeah, it's just and it's just overrun with spriggans. I guess is the, the unique bit. Or if you're a a corrupted crystal scientist then sure that's your jam that said like i I was having fun doing the actual gameplay of it i remember this sequence of events very vividly once i got back into it i'm like i remember these people and for some reason i remembered i thought that it would happen a lot later in the msq but we are at the end yeah 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 we're like we're there yeah we, we have a few more bits to go before we are done with the original not counting post Correct. completion a realm reborn story and then that's gonna be a whole so, a whole thing oh sure any other uh comments about today's story jen we're gonna see Mimidoa again i'm pretty sure we we, we see him again i don't recall okay like i think we meet up with him again in costa del sol hmm. i'm like i remember you you're the ass grabber this is why i have a spreadsheet of every character we've met in the msq because they pull characters back and with my shitty ass recollection for names <clears throat> and dates I, I need a written reference. Yeah. Unlike fucking Medin, I do write shit down and it helps me remember. Who's Medin? The guy, the last guy in, in the Crystal Quest. Hedin. Oh, whatever. Hedin. You see, this is why I got to write shit down. <clears throat> These names go in and out <laughs> my head. I remembered Sienna very, very much because there's something about her that was so annoying to me the first <laughs> time I did this. I'm like, God, this woman. So special announcement time. Ooh. We are about to get into the eight person and 24 person content in like the post game. Yeah. And we are going to open up the door for listeners to come and join us as we do the trials and raids of the later A Realm Reborn content. Awesome. Sadly, you must be on a North American data center to run duties with us as cross region play is not currently possible. So we now have a Discord set up. You can find the link in the show notes. If you follow that link, you can hop on the Pod Return to the Waking Sands Discord server. Hell yeah. And then we will be posting kind of like sign up things for the upcoming content. So fun. For the moment, we are going to do a trial run of this system on the next optional four-person dungeon, which I think is um, Darkhold. Uh, it's male Darkhold, yes. Yeah. We will have a post to respond to if you want to join us for Darkhold. Again, this is an optional dungeon. This has room for two listeners. This is not the meat of it. It's just the trial run. There will be a lot more room for people to join once we do the bigger group content later on. We would love some help beta testing this before we open it up to like Crystal Tower and shit. Yeah, which will be quite the undertaking. Yeah. So next time, we are talking about the ninja job quest through level 50. And that will do it for today's episode. Thank you guys, as always, so much for listening. If you have questions, comments, whatever the fuck, you can get in touch with us at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com or on the Twitters at podreturn. 
We recently posted a thing from the cookbook. <laughs> just every once in a while, like, hey, let's make a thing and take a picture and put it on Twitter. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, we really hope that you enjoyed the episode and have a good day or night. And we will see you next time. <laughs>